The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. As a warning, the original story of the boy who became a goblin contains depictions of violence, mutilation, child abuse, and discussions of suicide. Please exercise caution for children under 13. In a cavern deep under the earth, a short, scaly creature beat a young girl. He whipped her over and over until blood dripped from her back. He giggled when he saw a pool of crimson blood collect on the ground. When he was finished, he strolled back through a tunnel, humming to himself, until he heard a noise behind him. Hello? He called out. Is someone there? Just then, a cloaked figure burst from the shadows and grabbed him by the neck. A claw swiped across the scaly creature's face. Blood blinded him and sprayed the cavern walls. As he wiped the sticky liquid from his eyes, he was shocked to see who attacked him. Your Highness, he coughed. This is truly an honor. Did I not beat the girl long enough? The prince smashed the creature across the face again. No, quite the opposite. If you ever touch that girl again, I'll beat you instead. And I won't stop until you're dead. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You're listening to Tales, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. You can find all episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we're digging into The Boy Who Became a Goblin. This Swedish fairy tale follows a naughty young boy who's kidnapped by goblins and discovers they have a sinister plan for him. Coming up, a little boy learns that goblins are real. The Boy Who Became a Goblin comes to us from Sweden and a writer named Anna Wallenberg. Wallenberg began her career writing for adults, working across genres including short stories, plays, and novels. It wasn't until later that she turned to children's literature, and in 1901 finally published her collection, Swedish Fairy Tales. While today her life story isn't widely known, her tales have stood the test of time. They're full of whimsy and imagination, but they never forget their purpose, reminding children to watch out lest they get captured by creatures that lurk in the shadows. A young boy named Gustin tore through his parents' dinner party. His blonde mop of hair was a blur as he knocked over a platter of cured fish and darted between guests' legs. After a moment, the boy's nanny, Lena, scooped him up into her arms. Back to your room, naughty boy, she said. Upstairs, Lena plopped Gustin down on his bed. The young boy crossed his arms in a huff. It's not fair. I want to be at the party. Lena scowled at him. If you don't behave, the goblins will get you. Gustin's face puckered. Goblins aren't real. Lena's eyes grew large and her voice deepened. Oh, they're very real and they love to kidnap and eat naughty children. She lunged playfully at the boy and tickled him. Gustin giggled and squirmed. Now, go to sleep, she said finally. 
As soon as Lena left, though, Gustin started jumping on his bed. He knew his parents forbade it, but he didn't care. They were distracted by the party. Gustin loved the way his stomach turned in the brief moment of freefall before he landed back on his bed. But then, something strange happened. Gustin didn't land on the bed. Mid-jump, he was suddenly grabbed by a claw and pulled into a dark hole that appeared out of nowhere in the middle of his bed. The claw dragged him into the impenetrable black, and then he fell down, down, down. Gustin landed with a thud in a musty, lightless cavern. He peered around in the darkness, Surrounding him were dozens of glowing reptilian eyes. Voices murmured in the shadows. I want him. No, he's mine. I'll fight you for him. When Gustin's eyes finally adjusted, he could see the voices were coming from short creatures with toad-like sagging skin, hunched little bodies, and pointed ears. Gustin couldn't believe it. A moment ago, he was jumping on his bed. Now he was definitely somewhere else. He wondered frantically if he could have somehow fallen into the crawl space under the house. Help! He screamed. Lena, Mom, someone help me! After a moment, a voice cut him off. Quiet! It boomed. No one can hear you. You're hundreds of feet below the earth. The crowd of beasts parted to reveal two creatures. One had a portly, round belly and a crown fashioned from shiny bits of trash. His skin seemed older and grayer than the others, but he carried himself with authority. The other had a pink gown that was stained and threadbare, but she wore it regally. Gustin stumbled backwards. Who are you? He asked. The beast with the crown puffed out his chest. I am Konung, king of the goblins. He gestured to his consort. And this is Queen Drotna. Gustin's heart leapt into his throat. Goblins? Suddenly his nanny's warning echoed in his head. They kidnap and eat naughty children. Gustin covered his face with his hands. Please don't eat me, he cried. Konung doubled over in laughter. Eat you? Dear boy, we have something else in mind for you. Gustin shrank back against the wall. His mind reeled with potential tortures. Perhaps they would chain him in a dungeon forever, or let rats gnaw on his flesh. But before he could scream again, the king gestured grandly. We want you to join us. Gustin's fear was replaced by utter confusion. Queen Drotna grinned, revealing a set of menacing teeth, but her eyes crinkled like a sweet grandmother. That's right, dear. We saw what a naughty boy you are, and we just knew that you were a perfect goblin. Gustin shook his head. I am not a goblin, and you can't tell me what to do. There was a moment of stunned silence. Konung and Drotna shared a glance. Then they applauded. The crowd joined in. Konung held out his arms proudly. He's a natural, 
a group of goblins raced forward and hoisted Gustin onto their shoulders. He was paraded through winding tunnels to an enormous cavern arranged for a banquet. And yet, it didn't resemble any party Gustin had seen before. There were rusty cans and baby diapers decorating the walls. Tables and chairs had broken legs and chipped surfaces. Platters of food were moldy and rotten. The goblins, however, didn't seem to care. They squealed with joy and ate ravenously. Drodna offered him a worm-eaten apple. Go on, dear. Eat something. Gustin hurled it against a wall. I don't want your food. I want to go home. Konung and Drodna looked delighted. What a sweet boy, the queen cooed. So much better than the last creature. Drodna gestured to a dark corner of the banquet hall where a rusty cage held an unseen animal. Gustin wondered what other creature the goblins had kidnapped. Before he could inspect closer, though, he was lifted onto the goblins' shoulders again and paraded further into the caverns. After the festivities, Konung and Drotna escorted Gustin to his new bedchamber. Like the banquet hall, it was a mess of broken furniture and smelled like sewage. Drotna waved proudly at it. A princely suite for our goblin prince. Gustin shoved her away, but this only made them fawn more. Before they left, they handed him a plate of rotten food in case he got hungry in the night. When the king and queen finally departed, Gustin collapsed on his bed. What was he going to do? He had to find a way home. One thing that stuck in his mind was the caged creature in the banquet hall. If the goblins kept it in a cage, it must be a danger. Perhaps if he released it, it would attack them and he could escape. That night, when all of the goblins were asleep, Gustin snuck out of his room, back to the banquet hall. As Gustin approached the rusty cage, he gasped. He had expected to find a wolf, bear, or some other violent beast. Instead, it was a young girl. Gustin had never seen someone so beautiful. She had hair the color of sunshine and eyes like sweet grass. All of a sudden, his palms began to sweat and his cheeks felt like they were on fire. The girl blinked at him. Who are you? She asked. Gustin's mouth felt dry and pasty. I, I'm Gustin, he stammered. The girl introduced herself as Astrid. Such a beautiful name, Gustin thought. Suddenly, he was overcome with feelings of chivalry like his nanny had read to him in books. Never fear, Astrid. I'm here to rescue you. Astrid shook her head and giggled. Thanks, but I don't need to be rescued. She slammed her fist against one of the rusty metal bars, popping it loose. I explore the tunnels every night. Someday, I'll find a way out. Gustin's heart fluttered at her fearlessness. Why do the goblins keep you locked up? He asked. I'm nasty to them and they call me their prince. Astrid nodded. Their world is completely backwards. They like it when people are naughty, mean, and rotten, but I refuse to be like them. Gustin suddenly understood. They punish you because you're good. He reached into the cage and held her hand. You and I are in this together. 
Are you hungry? I'll bring you some food. Astrid shook her head sternly. No, you can't eat their food. If you do... Just then, Astrid was interrupted by a noise in one of the tunnels. She squeezed Gustin's hand. Someone's coming. You should go. Gustin didn't want to leave her, but as the noise grew closer, he took one last look and disappeared into the shadows. On the way back to his bedchamber, Gustin couldn't stop thinking about Astrid. He had never met someone like her, so beautiful and strong-willed. He chided himself for missing half of what she said because he was so entranced by her green eyes. He was so distracted and achingly hungry that when he entered his room, he grabbed a piece of moldy bread from a plate and stuffed it in his mouth. The next morning, Gustin woke to the king and queen standing over his bed. Drotna clapped her hands together. Oh, sweetie, you're beautiful. Gustin cocked his head in confusion. He grabbed a shard of broken mirror from the floor. When he saw his reflection, he gasped. His body was now hunched and shriveled, his ears were pointy, and his skin had faint green scales. He realized he wasn't just stuck in the cavern, he was becoming a goblin. Coming up, Gustin grapples with his transformation. Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath. From murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. Now back to the story. Gustin had been kidnapped by every child's worst nightmare, goblins. Now, as he stared at his own reflection, he realized he wasn't only their prisoner, he was becoming one of them. His boyish, angelic features had become monstrous. How could this happen, he wondered. But then he remembered Astrid's warning not to eat the food. The bread, he thought. How could I have been so stupid? He jumped out of bed, smashed the mirror to the ground, and stormed around the room, breaking more items. King Konung and Queen Drotna watched this with sheer joy. Look at our sweet prince, Drotna tittered. Konung nodded proudly. He's perfect. 
After a moment, the doting goblins joined in destroying the room. They tore down the soiled curtains and broke everything that wasn't already broken. When the trio tired from their rampage, Koning rested his claw on Gustin's shoulder. Come, my boy, it's time you took a tour of your kingdom. The king and queen led Gustin through miles of tunnels. They showed him the main goblin village with its shops full of dirty clothes and restaurants that served rotten food. There was even a school for young goblins. Gustin would have been excited to hear about these strange sights in his nanny's stories, but seeing it in person, it made him sad. He missed his family and wanted to go home. But most of all, he was disappointed that he had not listened to Astrid about the food. In fact, he noticed that his disappointment was very pronounced. It seemed more like anger, and it was just getting stronger. He had never felt rage like this before. It seemed to burn in the pit of his stomach like a raw pepper. He wanted to smash something. Instead, he gasped. Suddenly, he realized this must be part of his transformation. Even his thoughts were becoming more and more like a goblin. Gustin's moment of introspection was suddenly interrupted by Konung. The king was brimming with excitement to show Gustin the goblin's most sacred landmark. He led him down a long passageway that ended at a giant abyss. The chasm extended deep into the earth and at the bottom was a bright orange glow. This is the fire well, Konung announced. It descends into the bowels of the earth. It's our only source of heat, but mostly it's a fun way to execute unwanted creatures. The pit was so deep, Gustin felt dizzy looking down. Instead, he peered up the sheer walls and noticed something at the very top there was a tiny speck of blue light. Gustin's mouth dropped open. It was the surface world. It was home. Conan noticed and scoffed. Isn't it disgusting? Such an ugly color. At least it's hundreds of feet up. All right, moving on. Let us show you the dungeons. The king ushered the prince away from the fire well, but Gustin couldn't stop thinking about it. If he could see the sky, it must be a way out. He had to tell Astrid. Later that night, Gustin once again snuck out of his room and tiptoed to the banquet hall. Before he arrived at Astrid's cage, however, he stopped abruptly. He remembered that he was now partially a goblin. Suddenly, he felt self-conscious. He couldn't let her see him like this. Not only was he hideous to look at, but she would know that he had not listened to her advice. This time, instead of approaching the cage, he hung back in the shadows. Astrid! He whispered from the dark. She glanced around the banquet hall. Who's there? It's me, Gustin, he replied. Astrid squinted in the darkness. Gustin, I can't see you. Come closer. Gustin changed the subject. I found a way out. It's called the fire well. It leads up to the surface. Astrid's shoulders sank. Oh, that. I've tried it many times. The walls are sheer rock, hundreds of feet high. It's impossible. Gustin was disappointed, but instead of the usual sadness, he was overwhelmed with rage. 
Well, I thought it was a good idea, he roared. All of a sudden, he couldn't control his body. He stomped from the shadows toward the cage. When he finally got a hold of himself, he noticed the look on Astrid's face. She covered her mouth in shock. Gustin, you're a goblin. Gustin turned away from her self-consciously. I'm not. I just got hungry. What was I supposed to do? Astrid's face turned solemn. This is just the beginning. You'll only become crueler and meaner. Then she added, I don't want to see you anymore. Gustin reached his hand to her. Astrid, wait! But she turned her back to him and laced her arms across her chest resolutely. Gustin picked up a nearby table and threw it against a wall. Fine! If you don't want to see me, then I don't want to see you! He stormed away, knocking over more tables and chairs as he went. The path of destruction continued into Gustin's room. He ripped the new curtains from the walls and smashed the furniture. When it was thoroughly destroyed, Gustin stepped back to survey the wreckage. This was the kind of chaos he'd always dreamed of causing at home, but he'd never been able to manage it. His nanny had always stopped him. He suddenly realized perhaps his captors were right about him. He wasn't just becoming a goblin. Perhaps he always was. The next day, Gustin woke in a miserable mood. He snapped at servants and lashed out at anyone who greeted him. This only made the other goblins think more highly of him. At dinner that evening, Gustin picked sullenly at his food. He was so hungry, but he knew what it would do to him. After a moment, he decided if he was already transforming, he might as well eat. But as he was about to put a rancid turnip in his mouth, he was distracted by the sound of screaming. He heard the distinctive crack of a switch on someone's back. Gustin looked across the hall and saw the tallest, meanest goblin of the group beating Astrid with a heavy wooden rod. In a flash, Gustin tore through the crowd and pounced on the other goblin. He wrestled the switch away from him and began beating him with it. It was a savage and brutal attack. Gustin beat the goblin so hard, the wooden rod snapped in half. Gustin didn't stop there, though. He tossed the broken switch aside and pounded him with his fists. He didn't stop until the beast's face was a sludge of ground meat and bits of bone. The crowd of goblins watched breathlessly. When Gustin looked up, he wondered if they would attack him next. But instead, they broke into a cheer. Astrid's reaction was quite the opposite, though. Even though he had saved her, she looked at Gustin with disgust. Gustin opened his mouth to apologize, but Astrid averted her eyes. In fact, she took advantage of the distracted crowd to escape into the tunnels. Gustin wanted to chase after her, but what good would that do? She hated him. He was a goblin now. Astrid didn't make it far, though. She never did. For both Gustin and Astrid, years in the caves were marked by her periodic escapes. She went on the lam for days at a time, but she was always captured and punished. Every time Astrid was beaten or tortured, Gustin hunted down the perpetrators and either killed them or pummeled them to within inches of their lives. 
Gustin's vicious outbursts weren't discouraged by the goblins. In fact, Gustin was heralded as the most celebrated prince in their history. That title didn't make him happy, however. In fact, it made him feel worse. Every day, he looked more and more like a goblin. His golden mop of hair fell out and was replaced by patches of stringy black fur. His teeth grew jagged and rotten. Despite his transformation, however, one part of Gustin's body remained unchanged, his blue eyes. That didn't matter to Konung and Drotna, though. They loved Gustin just as he was, even with his hideous human peepers. They were so pleased with him that on his 12th anniversary as a goblin, they arranged a surprise for him. That morning, they burst into the prince's bedchambers. Gustin hid under his filthy sheets. Get out of my room, he snapped. I don't want to see your ugly faces. Drotna gushed. And that's why we love you so much, dearie. Konung stepped forward. My boy, we have a gift for you. Drotna blotted a tear from her cheek. Our little prince is all grown up. You're an adult now, so it's time for you to have a bride. Gustin's mind raced. They had tried to introduce him to female goblins before, but he was repulsed by them. They were all scaly beasts in soiled dresses. Gross, he thought, not another one. This time, however, an entirely different creature appeared in the doorway. It was Astrid. Gustin's heart skipped a beat. Astrid looked different now. She was taller, of course, but her sunny hair had become pale, almost colorless. Her face was gaunt and bruised, but her eyes were as defiant as ever. She refused to look at Gustin, but to him, she was as beautiful as ever. Konung sat on the bed next to Gustin. You'll be king of all this one day, son, and every king needs a queen. Drotna stroked his arm. And we thought, you know who Gustin is always sticking up for? That dreadful prisoner. Drotna leaned in close and whispered to the prince, though I can't imagine why her skin is so horribly soft. Since the moment Gustin arrived in the goblin caverns, all he cared about was Astrid. She stirred feelings that he had never felt before. Was it love? He wasn't sure, but he also knew he was a monster now, and she deserved better than him. After a moment, he jumped out of bed. No, I won't marry her. Konung sighed. Ah, well, we tried. If our prince doesn't want her, then we'll just have to throw her down the fire well. Gustin suddenly realized if he didn't marry Astrid, she would be dead by the end of the day. Coming up, Gustin and Astrid run for their lives. Now back to the story. Gustin sat in his bed next to Konung and Drotna. They had surprised him with a bride for his 12th anniversary as a goblin, and it was Astrid. Years ago, Gustin would have celebrated, but he didn't want to marry her like this as a goblin. She deserved better. 
Except Gustin didn't count on one thing. If he didn't marry Astrid, Konung planned to throw her down the fire well. Gustin finally held up his hands in surrender. Wait, I'll do it. I'll marry her. Konung and Drotna cheered. Our boy is getting married! They yelled. Astrid kept her eyes focused on the ground, her face expressionless. Gustin wanted desperately to tell her that he was sorry, that he knew she deserved better. But before he could say anything, Drotna yanked the young woman out of the chambers. Let's get you dressed, she snapped. Konung patted Gustin on the shoulder. Get ready, my boy. Your wedding is in an hour. A short time later, Gustin arrived at the banquet hall. It was decorated for the ceremony, but the decor was unlike any Gustin had ever seen. Garlands of dead bats were strung on the walls. Each table had a bouquet of rotted fishtails. Of course, the wedding was a chaotic affair. A goblin priest made jokes while most of the attendees chased each other around the room. Throughout the event, Gustin tried to make eye contact with Astrid, but she wouldn't look at him. At the end, like all goblin events, there was a violent melee that left the hall in tatters. Later that evening, Gustin and Astrid were escorted to their bedchamber and left alone. An awkward silence hung between them. The prince scuffed his shoe on the floor sheepishly. I, I'm sorry about all this, he whispered. Astrid collapsed onto the bed and buried her face in her hands. You should have let them kill me, she said. Gustin clenched his fists. Never, you're too good and pure to give in to these beasts. Astrid sighed. All I wanted was to stay true to myself, and in the end, I lost anyway. Gustin looked at her, confused. Astrid faced him. Eating their food isn't the only way to turn into a goblin. It also happens if you marry one. Gustin's jaw dropped. After 12 years of resisting, by marrying me, you'll become a goblin? Astrid nodded solemnly. Gustin began to pace back and forth. We'll have the marriage annulled. I won't let you become a goblin. But Astrid shook her head. It's too late. The process has already begun. Gustin pulled at the scraggly tufts of hair on his head. What can we do? Astrid started for the door. We can't do anything, but I'm choosing my own destiny. I'm going to throw myself into the fire well. Gustin reached for her, his lip trembling. Astrid, wait! Please don't go! I need you! Astrid paused. For the first time in years, she looked at him. Your eyes are still the same blue. I'll always remember that little boy who came to see me in the cage. But you have to let me go. I refuse to become a goblin! Gustin sank to his knees. Please, at least let me come with you. Gustin sobbed, tears streamed down his cheeks. Through damp, blurry eyes, he noticed Astrid peering curiously at him. Gustin suddenly became self-conscious. He covered his face with his hands. What's wrong? He asked. Am I even uglier? She pulled his hands away from his face. No, quite the opposite. You're changing back. 
Gustin picked up a shard of mirror. Just as Astrid said, his goblin features melted away. His ears became round and pink. His mop of golden curls returned. I don't understand, he said excitedly. Astrid jumped up and down in celebration. After all these years, I thought it was hopeless. But somehow you broke the goblin curse. That means anything is possible. Her lips cracked into a warm smile. Maybe we can escape through the firewell together. Gustin and Astrid scavenged the room for anything to help them climb. They tied old bits of rope together and cobbled harnesses from scrap leather. When they were ready, they snuck out of the room. After trekking through the labyrinth of tunnels for what seemed like hours, they could finally see the faint glow of the firewell in the distance. They only had a short distance to go. Gustin squeezed Astrid's hand. We made it. There it is. Astrid shook her head. Getting here was the easy part. The climb will be the real challenge. Just then, the tunnels erupted with the sound of alarm bells. Soon they could see dozens of armed goblins racing toward them. Astrid yanked Gustin's hand and they sprinted toward the firewell. As they ran, spears and arrows whizzed by their heads. By the time Gustin and Astrid reached the chasm, they were trapped. Below them was the scorching heat of the Earth's core. Above them was an almost endless climb to the surface. And at their backs were goblins with weapons drawn. While Gustin and Astrid debated what to do, they heard a deep, booming voice behind them. Come back home, son, Conan called out. If you don't want her, we'll find you a new wife. Gustin looked at Astrid. No matter what happens, start climbing. Astrid shook her head. I'm not going without you. Gustin squeezed her hand one more time. I'll be right behind you. Just promise me you won't look back. After she nodded, Gustin turned to face the goblins. His blonde mop of hair glinted in the dim light. Conan gasped. Oh, my boy, what's happened? Drotna burst into tears. What has that horrid girl done to you? She's made you hideous. Gustin didn't answer. Instead, he leapt into the crowd of goblins. He no longer had claws or scaly skin, but he still fought like a beast. He bit through a guard's neck, spraying the tunnel walls with blood. He ripped the spear out of the dead goblin's hand and used it to stab others. Then he turned on the king. Even though the old beast had treated him like a son, Gustin knew he was the enemy. Konang had kidnapped him. After a moment, Gustin swallowed a lump in his throat and stabbed the spear through Konang's chest. A sickening crack echoed through the cave. Blood bubbled from the old man's mouth as he looked up at Gustin. That's my boy, he coughed. The best of us all. Konang patted Gustin on the shoulder and then went limp. Drotna caught her husband's body as he collapsed. Tears streamed down her face. At first, Gustin thought she was sobbing. Then he realized she was laughing. All hail Gustin, our new king, 
she called. She carried Konung's body into the crowd. All the other goblins cheered and celebrated. As the goblins were distracted, Gustin raced back to the fire well. Astrid was already a short distance up the wall. Come on, she yelled down to him. Gustin tied himself to the long rope that connected to Astrid's waist, and he scrambled after her. Soon, he was right behind her. They made slow progress up the wall, one tiny toehold at a time. They seemed to make progress until... Gustin looked up at the glint of blue sky above them. The brightness blinded him momentarily, and he lost his balance, causing him to fall backward. After a second, the rope snapped taut. Gustin dangled in the air above the glowing abyss. Astrid grunted and strained, trying to hold his weight. Hang on, she called down. But Gustin could see her struggling. If she had to hold him a moment longer, she'd lose her grip too. Gustin couldn't let that happen. He smiled at her, feeling peaceful for the first time since he'd landed in the goblins' caves. I loved you the moment I met you. Keep going without me. Astrid opened her mouth to object, but she was too late. Gustin cut the rope. No! Astrid cried. Air rushed past Gustin as he fell. He could feel the heat of the firewell growing hotter and hotter behind him. His clothes started to burn away, and his skin blistered. A moment later, he watched as Astrid jumped after him, her arms outstretched. The last thing he saw was the green of her eyes, like sweetgrass. Then everything went black. After a moment, Gustin's eyes shot open. He realized he hadn't landed in the molten magma of the firewell. He was actually in his old bedroom. He looked around and saw his nanny, Lena, hunched over him. You're awake, she exclaimed. Gustin rubbed his eyes, uncertain if this was a dream. Where am I? He asked, confused. Lena tussled his hair. You're in your bed, silly. You fell off your bed and hit your head. You've been out cold for hours. He reached out and hugged Lena. I'm sorry for being naughty. I'll be good from now on. Lena patted him on the back. We're all just glad you're okay. Your parents are downstairs with the doctor. I'll go tell them you're awake. She kissed Gustin on the cheek and rushed out of the room. Alone now, Gustin looked at himself in the mirror. He couldn't believe it. He was young again. He touched his face and his hands, pinching himself to make sure he wasn't dreaming. A sense of relief washed over him. He missed his friend Astrid, but he was thankful to be back home. As he was examining himself in the mirror, though, he suddenly noticed another figure behind him. It was Drotna, and she bared her teeth at him. You got away this time, dearie, she hissed. But we'll be back for you. The goblins need their rightful king. Gustin swung around to face her, but she vanished. He glanced around the room. He was alone again. But now he understood that goblins weren't some old children's story. They were real. He knew they were coming for him, but this time he'd be ready. 
On the surface, the boy who became a goblin presents a simple lesson for children. If you misbehave, you'll be kidnapped by goblins. It's interesting, then, that Wallenberg didn't present the most obvious deterrent to naughty children, having the goblins eat Gustin in a horrific way. For that reason, it's likely that the boy who became a goblin was intended for a different type of Swedish audience the troublemakers, the children who thought they could survive being kidnapped by goblins, or even children who thought it might not be so bad to become one. As a result, we're given an inside look at life as a goblin from a naughty boy's perspective. Gustin isn't eaten. In fact, he's offered the keys to the kingdom. But in the end, he chooses love, goodness, and purity over mischief. This emphasis on choice and growth is a progressive storytelling tactic, and it helped create a memorable story that has stood the test of time. But just in case it didn't work, we're reminded that goblins are always lurking in the darkness, ready to snatch us. Thanks for listening to Tales. We'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me next week for another dark and surprising fairy tale. Tales is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Tales was written by Joseph Bricker, with writing assistance by Adam De Silva and Nora Battelle. Fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson.